In the name of God, Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier. Amen. Amen. So this is the Feast of Christ the King. And you notice all our readings have something to do with kingship. They're good that way. The lectionary really narrows in on what the reading should be according to what the theme of the day is, but it doesn't tell us what this king means. The feast itself was thought up by a pope. Pius XI, 1925, instituted this feast, and the message he was trying to send was to the fascists. Mussolini may be our dictator, but Christ is our king. It was a very brave thing for him to be doing at that time, and uh, much, much to be admired in his act. So the Presbyterians and the Episcopalians and the Roman Catholics, we've kept this feast alive, and it's fine, but if you're anything like me, you wonder, what is a king? We founded our country trying to get rid of a king and not have a king, and so it's as puzzling an announcement as it is glorious. The idea of a king is mixed up, to say the least. Now, I propose to take a little liberty here today with a song by the great American composer Cole Porter. If you want reminding, he's a guy who wrote Night and Day, Begin the Begin, Wunderbar, and Broadway musicals like Kiss Me Kate, and, uh, oh wait, what else? Anybody? Huh? No, not King and I. Anything goes. I'm not Frank Sinatra, in case you were wondering. But the song I want to talk about goes almost like this. What is this king called love? This funny king called love. Well, that is our question for today. There's a long and powerful tradition of talking about Jesus reigning, his being the king of the Jews, the, the king eternal, king of the house of David, the king of kings. But what can this mean for us? By 1925, there was a dwindling number of kings in the world, and there are certainly fewer now. So what does it mean? The point, I think, is to remember that Christ the king is very, very different from the kings of this world. In many ways, the polar opposite. Now, I don't recall anyone ever describing Pontius Pilate as a role model, but he does set us thinking in this scene. When he says, what is truth, I, I want to think of it as a smart aleck remark, highly inappropriate under the circumstances. Jesus is about to be crucified. This guy is just yakking back. That's not right. But actually, it's a good question, and one that we could stand to ask ourselves a little more often than we do. And I have to admit, Jesus himself says the same thing in another way when he says, who do you say that I am? He doesn't say who he is. He says, who do you say that I am? And Jesus is very reluctant to call himself a king. He says, you say so, or my kingdom is not of this world. But he doesn't say what we might repeat if we were trying to prove a powerful point. He doesn't say, you're darn right I'm a king. I'm the king. He doesn't say that. And the kingdom, he describes, is pretty loose run. It's open to anybody. And it's based on what? Humility? Not triumph. Just who can solve this mystery? And why should he make a fool of me? 
Unlike the kings of this world, Jesus' appearance was brief, and it happened almost 2,000 years ago. He was born in a stable, and he rode to triumph on a burrow. His sayings are difficult to understand, if not downright exasperating. The last shall be first. Turn the other cheek. If he asks for your coat, give him your cloak also. What you might call extravagantly counter-instinctive. That doesn't sound right to us. We'd have to be fools to follow this advice. But we believe. We believe that God's foolishness is better than human wisdom. We believe that coming to God as little children, a little foolishly even, is what God wants of us. And so we try to follow this very, very different king and become fools for love. Cole Porter continues, I saw you there one wonderful day. You took my heart and threw it away. Well, this is where the king of American popular song gets it wrong. Just plain wrong. Because if I give my heart to this king, it won't be thrown away. It will be held and cherished and exercised as a loving parent does a child's. And this is very hard for us modern Americans to accept. After all, our nation, founded on the renunciation of kingship, we tend to be reluctant, even cynical about letting someone outside ourselves take care of us. I was down at Brentland Woods this morning talking about this same subject, and all the heads nodded because when you go into a a place where you don't have much control and you're taken care of all the time, that is the biggest hurdle. Especially, they said, for the women who are used to running the domestic scene, suddenly they don't have anything to do and their purpose is open to question. So it's hard to, be let, hard to let ourselves be taken care of. And it's true even when we're not, not in a, a a facility. We tend to be not at all satisfied with the why and the what of ideas, which is what Jesus talks about. We always demand to know the how and the when first, and we withhold our commitments, our commitments to ourselves, to our relationships, to our parish, until we see the guarantee, the timetable. When's it going to happen? Exactly what and when and how? Okay, then I'll commit. But the answer to Pilate's question, what is truth, is this. We have to risk it. No one who has failed, who has thoroughly followed this path. As Jesus puts it, the only unredeemable state is the denial of the spirit. The spirit of love. So, Advent, it signals to us the beginning of another year. And it also signals to us that we have to become prepared to greet and to follow this king. Prepared? Sure, we'll be prepared. (laughs) For what? Death's line from the Lion King is actually truer than we know. Our images of kingship have taken on a cartoon quality that makes acceptance and discipleship, let alone commitment and submission, very hard indeed. We think of the Wizard of Oz and the King of the Forests 
Elvis, the king of rock and roll, and B.B., the king of the blues, right? A long way it is from Sky King to King Kong. And Don King is very different indeed from Dr. Martin Luther King. So how can we possibly prepare? It's a kingdom like no other. It's one that no human beings have ever experienced or even well imagined. But we do have the necessary instructions. And we have the promise. Oh, that you would heed me and walk in my ways at once. I would subdue your enemies. Just like that. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it with honey from the rock. Jesus' parables are our description, the manual, the working manual for this strange revolutionary kingdom of which we would be part. But those parables, they all demand our interpretation, our acceptance, and our action in order to make sense. They're no good as theory. It's a kingdom of God's making, but also of our doing. And selflessly loving is risky business. The word says we got to do it, but it puts us in jeopardy. Now, you all know jeopardy, right? It's the game where they give out the answers and we're supposed to come up with the questions. This is the life of a Christian. God, through Christ, has given us the answers. And each of us has to experience, in new ways, the questions for ourselves. We don't know what they're going to be, but we have the answer. So let's have fun. Play Musical Jeopardy. The category, Cole Porter songs that don't know they're about Jesus, right? That's the category. <laughs> and the answer is the way, the truth, and the life. Anybody? So I asked the Lord up in heaven above, what is this king called? Love. Amen.